Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Please rise for the call to worship. The trumpet of the Lord sounds, calling us to examine our souls. For we have not only met temptation, but we have felt its grip. The trumpet of the Lord sounds, calling us to mend our ways. For we have not only committed sin, but we have felt its sting. The trumpet of the Lord sounds, calling us to rend our hearts. For we have not only witnessed forgiveness, but we have witnessed its power. Let us worship God.
As we prepare to confess our sins, hear these words from 2 Corinthians. On behalf of Christ, we entreat you to be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. For God says, at an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on the day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time, and now is the day of salvation. Let us confess our sins together. Almighty God, we have wandered far from your love. We have neglected your word in the torrent of words that we hear and read every day. Our hearts are troubled amid the conflicts and violence of our world. Sometimes we find it easier to withdraw from everything, to resist change, lest it require more of us. We know you are reaching out to heal us, help us to respond. We know we are surrounded by your love. Let us feel it deep within that we may reflect love to all we meet. these words from the prophet Isaiah. You shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and God will say, here I am. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your need in parched places. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. children can I have all the children come down please good morning how many of you want to do something better or do something new it could be anything like schoolwork or a sport or you know something musical 
Well, it takes hard work and determination to do things like that. So, you know, sometimes it's easy to make excuses and, you know, want to give up. But you can't. You've got to keep pushing on. So today we're going to talk about a, a man who hadn't been able to walk in 38 years. Yeah, 38 years. It's a long time. So he sat on his pad and he tried to get into a pool of water he thought would make him feel better. But he couldn't walk, so he couldn't get there. So he made excuses and just couldn't, couldn't get there and wanted to quit. But one day, Jesus came by and asked him a simple question. He says, do you want to feel better? And the guy was like, well, you know, I can't walk. I mean, what do you mean? So he could have made excuses and he could have gave up, but he didn't. He, had, he did the hard work. Jesus gave him the ability to walk, and he got up and he walked away. So it's the same thing we do. God gives us the ability, but we have to put forth the work to make things better and make things work. It's how we get better, determination. So in a minute we'll go up to Children's Church, but um, first we'll pray on three, two, one. Dear God, thank you for allowing us to all be here today. Thank you for giving us the ability to put hard work together with good works, all for your glory. Please help us in the days leading up to Easter. And all God's children say, Amen. Let us pray. Father God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, we find ourselves here by your grace and your favor in company with brothers and sisters, surrounded by your love, filled by your Holy Spirit, and it is by your Spirit now that we pray you would illumine our hearts and our minds, that as your word is read and proclaimed, that we might come to a deeper understanding of who you are and your will for us and your work in the world, that we might be more available for you to use today and in the days to come, for your glory and for Christ's sake, as we pray for and work for your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. And now as we open your living word, we pray that you will open our hearts and our minds. Because this is not just any book. Your holy scriptures are inspired by you. They are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that we, your children, may be found fully equipped and adequate for every good work. Empower us in that way, we humbly pray, to not only understand, but to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Those who are able are invited to stand for our first lesson from the Gospel of John. We'll read the first nine verses of the fifth chapter. And then after a beautiful anthem, we'll read the tenth through the eighteenth verses of the same chapter. Listen to God's word. After this, 
this being, namely, the healing of the nobleman's son. And the manner in which this healing took place is the nobleman came to Jesus and said, My son is ill, come and heal him. And Jesus said, Your son will live, go your way. The nobleman went back home and found that his son had indeed been healed. And when he inquired at the hour at which this took place, it was at the same time that Jesus had said, Your son will live. So it was after this that a festival of the Jews took place. We're not sure exactly which festival. It could have been Pentecost, the feast, or the the festival of the booze. It's not really germane to what transpires in the passage today, but just that Jesus was there for that occasion. And so Jesus goes up to Jerusalem. And now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew, Bethzatha, which has five porticos. Now, up until the 1800s, biblical scholars and archaeologists did not know that this place really existed because they had no evidence of it. But an archaeological dig in the 19th century revealed this very spot that is referenced in our scripture today, some 100 yards from the temple in Jerusalem. So it is at that place that, and under these five porticos that many invalids laid blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had been there a long time and said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
Let's give thanks to God for the bells. Once again, stand as you're able for the second piece of this scripture of the healing of the man by the pool of Bethsaida. So Jesus said, stand, take up your mat and walk. And the man did so. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat. But the man answered them, the man who made me well said to me, take up your mat and walk. They asked him, who is this man who said to you, take it up and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had disappeared into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him in the temple and said to the man who had been healed, See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore the Jews started persecuting Jesus because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is still working and I am also working. For this reason the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but was also calling God his own father, thereby making himself equal to God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. If you know the answer, please do not shout it out and ruin it for everybody else. How many, Christian does, how many Christians does it take to change a light bulb? How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? Only one because they already have their hands in the air. How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to change the bulb and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. How many Roman Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? None. Candles only. How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? At least 15. One to change the light bulb and three committees to approve the change and decide who's going to bring the potato salad. How many Episcopalians? Three. One to call the electrician, one to mix the drinks, and one to talk about how much better the old light bulb was. How many Mormons does it take to change a light bulb? Five. One man to change the light bulb and four wives to tell him how to do it. How many Methodists does it take to change a light bulb? That number is undetermined. Whether your light bulb is bright or dull or completely out, you are loved. You can be a light bulb, a turnip bulb, a tulip bulb. A church-wide lighting service is planned for Sunday. Bring a bulb of your choice and a covered dish. How many Presbyterians does it take to change a light bulb? Well, there are two answers to that. Either none, because the lights will go on and off at a predestined time, or the same answer, how many Presbyterians? None, because Presbyterians don't do change. How many Amish does it take to change a light bulb? What's a light bulb? <laughs> the truth be told, it's not just Presbyterians who do not like change. 
or don't do change very well. As a matter of fact, it's a part of our human condition. There's something about humans that doesn't like change. Our nature is to seek homeostasis. Our human nature drives us to be in a set system where we know our place and our part and we do not want that system to change our place or our part. And that is true even if the system is broken and unhealthy. We will many times maintain or try to maintain that system in a less than perfect arrangement apart from its originally designed state. In a state of brokenness, we will still seek to maintain it. So it is with the world in, in which, into which we are born, and so it is with each one of us. We live in a broken world. The system is not right. There's unhealthiness in it. We are broken people. And all too often we will do whatever it takes to maintain that state of things in which we find ourselves because we don't want to change. We know this to be true in the uh, theory of family systems therapy. See, it used to be that in the, the system of, of unhealthiness or addiction or the disease, let's say, of alcoholism, that there was a time when that person with the disease was targeted and the attempt of the counseling was to change that individual who had the malady. But what we have discovered is that it is not just the individual with the disease of an addiction that needs to be treated. It's the whole system. Because for change to come, the system has to change. Because if you get the person who may be addicted to alcohol to stop drinking, the system is going to cause that person to snap back into a life of drinking because the system is built for it and demands it. And there are people who play their parts in that family system. Enablers, protectors, deniers, everybody has a part to play in the system to maintain its unhealthiness. And so for healing to come, the system has to change. For health and change, there must be then a recognition of the unhealthiness, of the brokenness, of the sickness, of the addiction. And the pull to homeostasis needs to be understood and recognized. And the part that each person in the system plays needs to know the part that they play. And sometimes it is the person who battles the disease of addiction that, that may need to remove him or herself from that system to find health and wholeness. And sometimes it is the network, the dynamics of the relationships that need to cut off from the individual for that system to change and for healing 
and wholeness to come. Only when the system changes, only when the pattern is broken, can the healing come and wholeness be achieved. And that takes time. But the key is the recognition of our brokenness. The brokenness of the, sense of the systems in which we live. And to be sensitive to the brokenness of others in their human condition. And the brokenness of the system that is the world in which we live. That's why I like so much what St. Augustine said. Be kind. Because everyone that you meet is fighting a great battle. Each one of us in our brokenness, in our own system, whether it is known by others or whether it is a secret and not public knowledge, each one of us in our brokenness are fighting a great battle, publicly or privately. And Augustine said, know this and be kind to each other. Will you pray with me, please? Loving God, we pause now and we want to uh, acknowledge our brokenness. To acknowledge the battles that we fight in this life. But let us know that we are not alone as we bring now all of who we are to you. Humbled and surrendered to your sovereign grace that you might change and heal us that we might know life. That is truly life in and through your son, Jesus Christ, our savior and our friend. Amen. If we want to encounter Jesus Christ in, the, in, in those broken places in our life. We recognize then that Jesus Christ is the only one that can heal us. And transform us. And make us whole in those broken places. Broken places of body. Brokenness of mind. Brokenness of spirit. And healing. What healing is and when healing occurs, it is, it is the, the, the gracious, sovereign act of God bringing the broken pieces and places of our lives back together and reconciling, redeeming, putting together and making whole ourselves and our relationships so that we find that we are strong at the broken places. And in that way, we are made new and whole Healing is taking broken pieces and putting them back together so that we're strong at the broken places. And the topic of healing, though, understanding brokenness and meaning that it, we are put back together, it makes us educated, intelligent, logical, rational people uncomfortable because this idea of miraculous healing, this idea of wholeness, means that we are encountering a God who is in control, and it means that we are not. And we like to be in control. But healing 
sovereign miraculous healing of God is not something that happens on on a schedule that we can determine healing does not happen step one step two step three and I know when it's going to happen and how and when no healing is out of our hands so many times we cannot predict the speed or the process and healing is is something that is out of the box and so many times we want to keep God in a box because this God that is outside of ourselves and sovereign and master of the world and of our lives is out of our control. And to acknowledge healing, we must acknowledge that sovereign God. And to acknowledge healing, it means that we trust God, we love God's Holy Spirit, we worship His Son, Jesus Christ, many times only as long as they fit into our way on our timetable and our plan But if healing is to come, we have to put those things away. You know, this is so true for us in in, in our own human condition, in our Presbyterian state. Because we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the sovereign God. And we will prepare and pray for the Holy Spirit to be part of what it is that we are doing in our agendas, in our worship But if it's not in the bulletin by the time the worship service comes around, no matter how prayed up we are, it ain't going to happen. It's not in the bulletin. I'm sorry, Holy Spirit. And such is our attempt to control God. And all of this is counter to the God that we meet in miracles, in the Scriptures and in the world. For the Jesus that we encounter... Counter the God that we know in Scripture and in the story of God's faithfulness to us, the story that we love, the story that we read, the story that we teach to our children. is a story that is sometimes hard for us to believe. A story that over 2,000 years ago, the Creator of the universe sent His Son, His only Son, His beloved Son, to take on flesh like ours, to live our life, to walk the earth, to preach, to teach, to heal, to forgive, and then to offer His perfect life as a sacrifice on a cross and shed His blood and die for us. Put to death our sinfulness. Put us back together with God. To be raised up from the grave. Because if there is no empty tomb, then we are of all people most to be pitied. But this story that we love and this story that we study and preach and teach is is logically, in, in a 21st century mind, idiotic. And really at its heart, this story does not make us comfortable. And if we're uncomfortable with the story, then we must not be comfortable with the God that we see in this story who heals and performs miracle and and lays claim to our lives and offers us a risen Savior. If this is not our story, and it is one that we do not believe, then maybe we need another story. Or maybe we need to stop calling ourselves Christians. Or maybe we need another faith tradition. 
to believe in miracles, to believe in the broken pieces being put back together and individuals being made whole and being made new is something that changes the game. It changes the way that we encounter the world. It changes the way we understand God. It changes the way that we understand ourselves. It opens up a whole new world of possibilities. A whole new world of possibility in our lives, in the lives of those whom we love. It changes the world. And so how are you with this God of miracles? How are you with this story of life and death and resurrection? And what is your hope? Follow me here. What is your hope? What is that seed of life that you know you can still nurture deep within you that has not died? What is your dream? Do you have a dream? Do you believe that God can still work miracles in the world? Do you believe that Jesus Christ loves you? And can change you? And make you whole? Belief in miracles, in the power of healing, is part of our DNA as Christ followers. One of the best stories of hope and faith and belief in the power of a sovereign God is written into the DNA of our church, First Presbyterian. In 1830, it was 14 faithful men and women who in a town where the virgin timber of this part of the state had just been cut to create the streets that are now the ones we drive our cars on, just shy of the frontier, the wilderness, those 14 people prayed to God that God's sovereignty and grace would bless them with a community of faith known as the Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Georgia. And God blessed. And God is still blessing. And that story is part of our DNA. And over the 183 years of the life of this church, how many countless other stories can be told about the miracles that God has wrought in and through this community of faith. People who have been healed from alcoholism and addictions and broken out of abuse and people who have been healed from diseases and from cancer and other maladies of body and mind and spirit. Stories of people that we know and stories that we can tell even ourselves. Stories that are still being told even today. It was just a couple of weeks ago in the men's prayer breakfast when Dick Stone invited a lady that had been on our prayer list for well over a year, Jennifer Daniels, and she came with her husband. And that beautiful young lady, whole in body, mind, and spirit, stood before us and told us of the miracle that God had wrought in her healing. And she gave God all the glory and thanked the men's prayer breakfast along with countless others who had prayed to God for her healing. And she said, thank you for being part of what God has done in my life. 
There she was, a miracle, standing before us. And there are countless stories in our church. There are countless stories in our town. There are countless stories in our lives that we could tell. But the real question is, do we believe? Do we believe that Jesus can and still heals? Or could it be Or could it be that we have been sick so long that we're not sure whether we believe it or not? Or that maybe we don't believe and we've quit believing and hoping and praying and maybe caring. Maybe we've quit trying. And we say, this is just the way life is. This is the way my life is. This is... This is the, the way that I live. This is the way that we go on day after day, week after week, month after month. It's just the way it is. And this is my lot in life. And I just need to deal with it the best I can. Could this be the place where the man who encountered Jesus found himself after being sick for 38 years That he said, this is just the way that it is and I just better get used to it. And so day after day, week after week, month after month. And before he knew it, it had been 38 years that he had been coming to, sitting beside, lying beside the pool at Bethsaida. And that's when Jesus walks up to him. He doesn't go looking for Jesus. Jesus finds him and encounters him and asks him the question, do you want to be made well? And how does the man answer? Well, he says, it seems like the answer would be obvious after 38 years, but the man says, I don't have anybody to put me down in the water. When it's stirred up, when the healing is available, I don't have anybody to put me in. And when I try to get there myself, somebody always wedges in front of me. And I get pushed out of line. He's making excuses. And the system does not want him to be well. And sometimes that's the way it is with us. And we have our own excuses. Nobody will take me to the doctor. How do you expect me to get well? I can't get to my AA meetings. Or whatever the excuse may be. I've had a bad hair day. I'm sorry. We do the same. It's his fault. It's her problem. Not mine. But Jesus cuts to the chase. He will not go there with a the man. And he simply says to him, get up. Take up your mat and walk. And Jesus says, this is not about the water. This is not about the angels. This is not about somebody else. This is about me. The healing comes from me. Stand up and walk into a new life. And the man does what? He gets up. He takes up his mat and he walks. He obeys Jesus. 
He trusts Him. He obeys Him. Trust and obey is the only way to be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. I can hear Martha Stanford singing it right now. And on top of all this, it's the Sabbath. And when the Pharisees see this man walking through the temple courtyard with his mat, what do they do? How do they respond to him? Do you think they didn't know who he was? They've been seeing him there for 38 years. And they run up to him and they say, holy cow, you're walking. I can't believe it. Get over here. Get the minstrels. Play a song. Let's have a praise service to the glory of God that has healed you. No. It wasn't in the bulletin. And they jump on him with rules. You are breaking the Sabbath law. You're carrying your mat. And that is one of the 39 things you cannot do that constitutes work on the Sabbath. You can't do that. It's not in the bulletin. You have to maintain the rules. You have to maintain the system. You have to get homeostatic. Miracles change things. And sometimes we can inhibit the miracles that God wants to work in our lives. Did you know that we have that kind of power and that kind of control? Yes, God is sovereign. We as reformed Christians, we understand that as Presbyterians. But let me tell you that God partners with us in the work that God is doing in the world. And we have a part to play. And it is to trust and obey you see, there's another place in Scripture where Jesus had done a healing and then He went into that town and the Scripture says He could not do many miracles there because of their lack of belief. Do we believe? And then they find, when they find this man, the, the, the Jews, the, the, the Pharisees, they say, well, who told you to get up and walk? Because the man is still saying, it's not my fault, I just did what He told me to do. This man does not know Jesus. That's a powerful piece of the scripture. You don't have to know exactly who Jesus Christ is to be impacted and changed by who he is when he encounters you. You see, when we, when we trust and obey, we walk into the life of Jesus Christ that he calls us to walk into. And we come to know him more and more and more. And I do not fully know who Jesus is but I am so thankful that I am coming to know Jesus Christ more and more. And let me tell you, it's a trip. And so then Jesus comes to the man again. Jesus finds the man again walking in the courtyard. Jesus encounters him. Jesus is the hound of heaven. Jesus is always pursuing us. Even when we've given up on Him or the world, Jesus is pursuing us and Jesus finds the man. And He says to him in verse 14, these very important words. He says, you are well. Be careful not to sin again. Because there are worse things that can befall you. And what Jesus is saying here is not your sins made you sick, and if you sin again, you're going to get sick again. 
You see, in John chapter 9, if we go further in that account, we come to the, the man that was born blind, and the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind, his parents or this man? And Jesus says, be quiet. It's not, it's not like that, guys. Sin does not equal sickness. But what Jesus is saying to this man whom he has healed is he is saying to him, be careful to walk into life and not into death. Be careful not to go down a sinful path, but follow a path of life. Because there are worse things than being sick, is what he's saying. Because how many people do we know who have been stricken with cancer or some kind of a malady? And the fact of the matter is, is that, is that they do not get well. But we have seen in their spirits something that is very much alive. A faith that soars and inspires their worse things than sickness and death. And Jesus is saying, walk the path of life and stay well so that your soul does not die and get sick. The bottom line is about salvation of body, mind, and spirit that Jesus Christ comes to transform us, to save us from that which would kill us. And we see in Jesus Christ that the system in which this man lived and the systems in, we, in which we live and the system of the world of which we are a part, Jesus changes all of that. And we see it in this healing and this wholeness that this man is unbound, he is made free, and Jesus himself is free. And he says to those who come against him, I am doing the work of my Father. Jesus making himself a co-worker with the creator of the universe. And we are called to be part of that life-giving work. And so Jesus makes Himself equal with God and they want to kill Him all the more for making that claim. And kill Him they will. But my friends, He will rise again. And He is our hope. And He is our salvation. And in Jesus Christ and Him alone, the world, we ourselves are healed and made whole were changed. The question that Jesus asks us today is, do you want to be made well? What is your prayer? What is your hope? I hope the ushers gave you one of these prayer vigil cards. These are the cards that will be prayed over for 40 straight hours beginning at 3 o'clock on Friday through Sunday morning, Easter morning. Write down your prayer. Write down your hope. Write down your dream. Write down your request to the God of all hope and healing. Put it in the offering plate. It will make its way to where it needs to be and it will be prayed over. May God hear and answer all of our prayers in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's stand and respond to the Word.
saying what we believe Christian. What do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As we uh, prepare ourselves for prayer, there are many private concerns on your hearts, and again, encourage you to fill out those prayer cards, those that you uh, would want to be part of our, our Easter vigil. But also keep in prayer the extended family of Richard Robertson, who passed away uh, yesterday was the message that we got, and uh, do not have any other details at this point, but just, oh, can't hear, okay, I'm sorry, let's try it again. Uh, please keep in your prayers uh, the extended family of Richard Robertson. He passed away yesterday. We do not um, know any more details besides that, a message that was forwarded to us. Uh, but please keep him in your prayers. Again, um, also in preparation for that, uh, this time of prayer, your prayer vigil cards. Please fill those out if you are so led. You can put them in the plates. Let us pray. Almighty, gracious, and loving God, your word calls us to rejoice in our challenges, for that leads to perseverance, which in turn leads to character, and character leads to hope, which does not disappoint. We agree with your word as we pray for perseverance in our challenges. We remember those who grieve, those who are battling sickness and disease, those who wrestle with their own demons, and those who seek peace and reconciliation at home, and those who look for direction. May perseverance lead to proven character that reaches out and leads in this community. We pray that we learn to support and encourage one another better in these times. We pray for mission, the missions of this church. We think of the meals that are served and packed and delivered through the food pantry and break bread and the sack lunch. May this all lead to hope, which does not disappoint. And may we grow better and not bitter during the challenges. May we grow in our trust in you, O Lord, and our trust in one another. And we pray for good memories being made at this special time of the year, in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you all that are here to please participate in the ritual of friendship. The paths are in of your pews. Please mark your name and pass it back to its point of origin. Be sure to extend that right hand to fellowship following the worship service.
We had a great day in the mission field yesterday. There were nine of us at the Habitat Build. I think I see just about all the uh, warriors from that event swinging the hammers uh, here, there, and everywhere. Uh, but nine of us were there yesterday. Also, we had 10 youth who were cleaning out the, or cleaning up also the VIP um, day center. Uh, so two different mission activities going on yesterday. There's much coming up in the weeks ahead. On the 21st of this month, it's Thursday, it's a day trip up to Gibbs Garden. A group has been there before. Uh, on the 24th is Family Fun Day in the country, which includes the Easter egg hunt. Always a great treat for, for all of us. Also, backing up on the 20th, and speaking of mission, we have another sack lunch packing party going on at 11 o'clock. There are other events coming up in the weeks ahead. They're in the bulletin. I commend them to you. Let us now present to God our tithes, our offerings, our gifts, and our very selves.
gracious God, as we give our offerings to you today in the present, may we remember past blessings and give you thanks. And may we courageously pray for our future hopes. In Jesus' name, amen. Children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, you're freed, you're forgiven, you're healed, you're whole. Go in peace, go in hope, go in love, go in joy. And may the Lord bless you and keep you, and be kind and gracious unto you, and lift up the light of His face to shine upon you and give you peace, and all God's children peace, today and forevermore. Amen.